2: Welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow, and wherever you're listening from, it's great to have you with us. And joining me in the studio for the last Book Off of 2022 are two fabulous guests who've collaborated on a book together. And this may be the first collaboration appearance on Book Off that we've ever had, actually. My first guest trained as a journalist before quitting the profession to form his first group, The Great Betrayal, and then The Fanatics before becoming the lead singer and songwriter of the multi-platinum-selling band Ocean Colour Scene. Since forming in 1989, they've released 11 studio albums, including the million-selling Moseley Shoals and the number one, Marching Already, which I bought for 10 99 in Plough Play Records in Eastbourne, back in... 97, or whenever it was, here to tell us about his new book, One for the Road, The Life and Lyrics of Simon Fowler. It's Simon Fowler. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Lovely to see you. And my second guest is a musician-turned-best-selling author, whose previous books include Isle of Noises, Walls Come Tumbling Down, Don't Look Back in Anger, and Like Some Forgotten Dream. He has also co-authored several music books, including When Ziggy Played the Marquee with Terry O'Neill, and now, of course, One for the Road. Here to tell us more? It's Daniel, Rachel, hello to you. Hello, Joe. Lovely to see you again. <laughs> and I don't need to introduce you two,
3: do I? Because you've known each other for
2: yeah. Know, years.
3: Yeah, I've known Daniel since he was five. <sighs> yeah, not, not well. We, we sort of became mates really when you, when you were about 16.
4: Yeah, I knew your dad before yeah, you know, I my, knew you. Yeah, that's oh,
3: right. right, yeah. My dad used to drive him and his squabbling siblings to school.
4: <laughs> we had to line up on his uh, drive. In Alton, in Surly Hall, in, in formation. And his <laughs> and, uh, and he, and box 92K was right, the number yeah, plate of it. It
3: was a yeah. like strange VW. It was a variant, a VW variant in Sumatra Green. And the variant was, is it kind of uh,
4: an estate of a sort, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. He, told, he, had, he used to have his uh, police cap on the back of the car. And, you know, I was like seven. Yeah. And I remember picking it up and he turned kind of very sternly and, and informed me that if he was involved in a murder investigation, my fingerprints would now be <laughs> on his cap and I would be going probably to prison. Amazing. I, yeah. <laughs> it took me until i met Simon as I was 16 to realise that they shared the same humour and for
2: 10 years I had the fear of prison. <laughs> <laughs> so over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about this book this brilliant new book that's come, well, it's out, isn't it, I think, or available, and then it's in shops in January. Um, we're going to talk about your collaboration, find out what you've been reading and enjoying recently, and, of course, we'll do the book off where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read. Um, so take us back, Daniel, to the to when you actually, I mean, I know you said you first met when when you might have been five or six. When did you actually start sort of being mates?
4: In October 1985, <laughs> on a, on a Friday morning, uh, when Simon came knocking on my door with an acoustic guitar mm. and played "Twist and Shout," and I thought John Lennon was in the room, and uh, I thought it it was just stunning, absolutely stunning, and I thought wherever he's going, I'm going to. It was one of, the, and I had answered an advert on a wall. Uh, At college and Simon was advertising for musicians
3: I didn't know was actually trying to pick up young men (laughs) 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 under a guise of musicians (laughs) 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 but
4: you said you said Simon that because I called the number and you realized it was me Mm. before I realized (laughs) who you were
3: yeah I think so yeah yeah I can't remember it was a
4: a long, a
3: long time ago.
4: <laughs> well, as we were talking, I was Simon was saying, and is your name Daniel? Do you, do you live on the Warwick Road? Yes. 289? Yes. yes. Have you got a brother called Ben? Yes. And it, so it went on. I was thinking, oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, yeah, so I was aware of the Fowlers, but of this stern copper who was the, the patriarch. Mm. So when I discovered it was Simon Fowler, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I told all my siblings, <laughs> Simon Fowler's coming round. And it was like a kind of hush descending across our house. But, that, but from that moment, really... You know Simon's voice was just incredible. I'd never heard a live voice like it, and to sing that, and he also sang a Lou Reed song, and we we kind of just fell into have, each yeah, other's pockets. Fought, didn't formed we? the band,
3: really, didn't we? The the great betrayal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. With an old schoolmate of mine and someone that Dan knew, and that that Adrian left pretty early, didn't he? Adrian Fisher. Actually, if Adrian Fisher ever hears this, do get in touch. I haven't seen you for <laughs> ages, and I've lost your phone number. Adrian, if you're listening, you can, you can email us. We'll pass you on to Simon. Um, and so, Simon, whose idea was the book then? How did this come about? It was my idea, I think. Um, my manager was mentioning, was saying, why don't we reissue? We did a lyric book. Um oh, t- 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 like 12 years ago, mm. something like that. Why don't we reissue? I think- well, there's no point in reissuing that. And then I'd seen, I'd either got or I'd read in the newspapers, um, extracts from McCartney's book. Mm. So that was the template really that let's do it so that we have a chat and out of, so you pick a song and that then turns into whatever it turns into. And it became pretty obvious early on that it was going to turn into us talking about our joint experiences. Mm. And that's the main difference in the, the McCartney book. It's simply him. Yeah, whereas my book with Daniel is a conversation, and I think I think that that's uh, that's more interesting because although the song is the springboard for that chapter, it leads on to far more interesting things than sort of discussing the uh, syntax of the middle eight. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> because also in it are
2: these wonderful photos and memorabilia that you've obviously kept no
3: no it's all, done, just all done. oh is it all your, yours is it yeah is it all yours I'm not I'm not a hoarder I, I've never owned a camera is that uh, I right? can't use a computer oh wow um I think I'm probably just not organised now. I'm just too too useless.
4: When we shared a flat in Moseley in the uh, mid-90s, Simon had two possessions because, as he (laughs) says, he's not materialistic at all. And the two possessions
3: were a Gibson acoustic guitar, which you were very proud of because it's pre-Beatles, isn't it? Well, so I believe. I believe it's 62. If I ever find out it isn't, I'll be most disappointed. (laughs) And you will be punished. (laughs) And, uh, and And the other one was
4: a triple... Uh, vinyl album by Neil Young called Decade and I only discovered it one day it was hidden in your sock drawer Then <laughs> those are the only two possessions I was aware that you ever owned I've never met mm. anybody who cares less
3: for materialistic objects Really, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not probably the most valuable materialistic material thing I've got apart from my guitar and my car, are probably these boots <laughs> Which are made for walking? They are. Yeah, these are Cheney, Cheney boots, incidentally. Is that an ode to Cheney Walk? No, Cheney it's Walk. A, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mentality. no, it's Cheney. It's, uh, it's a, Northampton sort of, you know, traditional English shoemakers. But most of my clothes are my partner's, Robert's. Right. Or in fact, so probably is he walking around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's great to actually to be able to, to wear the same clothes as your wife. It cuts down on the money you can spend it all on Peroni, then. <laughs> Oh, so that's interesting because I was thinking,
2: oh, I, you're like me, Simon. You keep all this because I keep photos and I keep no, stubs and. But that's actually you, Daniel. That's that's you brought that to this book. Uh, I,
4: if 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 that's kind of been described as a character trait of mine, I don't quite recognise it, but it's okay. true <laughs> that I have. I do tend to amass yeah lots of little things, but I'm yeah. It's not it's not overtly conscious, but it must be yeah. But yeah, so when I when Simon said. Let's do this book. I started pulling out all various things I had, and I I had loads of handwritten lyrics of Simon's, and and I'd always had cameras. I love mm. I love taking photographs. Um, uh, with, st- with a you know with a, a stills camera yeah. and, and film and 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 so many things that I just um, and a lot in fact. I, I went and this sounds a bit balmy actually, but I went through every single book that on on my shelves, uh, uh, which is as you can imagine, several hundred, yeah. because I know I use things as bookmarks. Oh, yes, yeah. And so I'd go to a book and go, oh, look, Simon played this gig in 94, but I was reading
3: Magnus Mills that day, you know,
4: that kind of, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, but the
3: handwritten things. Were, actually, I think nice. I, I had, I, that's actually something I did keep, um, was a lot of handwritten lyrics. You had Get Blown Away in I got, various forms, I got, I got, I got, I got hundreds of those, and mm. I think mainly because I, I mainly keep them just because I wouldn't really throw them away. They used to be kept in a piano stool. Um, a piano but it stool? Was, yeah, but it was mainly so that I could, when we went on tour, if we check, you know, well, well, what songs we do in this tour, so I'd have, well, I, I know I've got them. Yeah. So I can learn <laughs> That's them. That's good. Yeah. That I'll be sure. doing that next week. <laughs>
4: But when we came to check the lyrics, I, you know, because I put the lyrics and sent them to Simon and said, you need to check these. Yeah. These are the definitive version. You were looking them all up on YouTube, weren't you? <laughs>
3: they were nonsense. Yeah. So it was quite
4: a struggle to actually define what were the definitive yeah. lyrics.
3: Yeah. yeah well, it, see, it, it, I mean, some of them are, you know, just sort of written... I mean, one of them was written forty-one years ago. <laughs> Did you use a quail? <laughs> is that the right word? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, that's... quill, song. quill, yeah. quail. That's an egg, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you could. I mean, you could have <laughs> written it in quail. And you said <laughs> really it wrong. As well, started. it's a bird. It's got. Yeah. You could get a quail, quail egg. You could get a quail quill. A quail's it, yes. A quail quill, yeah. <laughs> No, it was an ostrich, buffoon. Um, uh, (laughs) I wrote it in beak. (laughs) I'm not speaking anymore. (laughs) uh, I forgot where we
4: were. No, but that is, I mean, it was really exciting to discover all this ephemera and and the photographs and things that I hadn't seen for a long time. And then that became this quite exciting stimulus in a way to kind of release memories. And as long as I said, you know, to Simon, do you remember this and gave a, a kind of a detail and the, mm. the, the detail which sparks a memory can be a very strange thing. It's not the obvious thing. Like, do you remember playing, you know, Stirling Castle or, you know, th- this particular gig? It will be some nuanced thing that would trip Simon's memory. Yeah. You I know, mean, like, to
3: be honest, if you ask talk to me about, do you remember this gig? You're like, Invariably, it's no. Unless it's, I mean, I obviously remember certain key gigs that we've done.
4: But do you remember your underpants being wrapped round a turret in a castle? Yes, I do, indeed.
3: (laughs) There you
2: go. Yes. Well, Jarvis Cocker, um, who was on the pod recently for his book... and he went up he into his too. attic. Mm-hmm.
3: And good he was too. And great he was too. Thank you. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, I should imagine he was fascinating. I've, I've met him a few times, but I've never really sat down and spoken he's to him. Wonderful and yeah. and fascinating and said exactly that. He said when he was up
2: in his attic, you know, which is the, the sort of spark of his whole book, he didn't want to write a sort of memoir thing, but he he used objects. Yeah. And he said it was the tiniest, insignificant
3: ones that, <laughs> made, that were the most hmm. sort of the, the the memories kept well, I mean back. memories can be triggered. I mean, there's famously mem- memories can be triggered by smells. Smells, yes. That, yeah. I mean, if I smell a sort of like a, a pine pine trees and so, on, I'm instantly walking down Banks Road in Sandbanks when I was hmm. seven. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, but gigs are certainly that that's not a trigger for me no. at all because we mu- I I don't know how many gigs we've played, but it must be. Well, I was going to say it's hundreds, but it's probably more likely to be over a 1,000, isn't it, over 30 years? But that was oh, an exciting so. thing about the book, actually, because yeah. when you
4: mentioned Sandbanks, you ended up telling me a story I'd never heard before, which was about a, night,
3: uh, a, a nightmare you had mm. based around going down to Sandbanks. It wasn't somewhere. It was going down to a place called Corf Mullen right. the, the night before my granddad died. In Dorset? Yeah, hmm. that's right, yeah, by Dorchester, by, by Wimborne. That's right. Yeah. Well, Nan and Grandad would have ready they ran a um a what used to be called a VG store. Do you remember them? I don't. It's like a, it's like now like a uh, a Londis or something like that. Oh, okay. That, so okay, that type right. of thing. Yeah. And we had a phone call saying that my granddad was my mum needed to get down there. And we went down in my uncle's mini in pouring driving rain, and I had this bizarre dream based around that. And I think it was I, I think it was a a recurring dream. I remember Probably at the age of about six or six or seven, that I had uh, continually had nightmares. And you see, this is we're Telling this story now, this is what's difficult about looking back and and trying to encapsulate memories. Is that I don't know whether I had nightmares over a fortnight or over a year. Hmm. And I, I don't know. I really don't yeah. know. I, I couldn't say. But they were very, very vivid, Mm. and I remember the feeling of delirium and then sitting on my mum's lap and her sort of putting her arms around me, and then that feeling of delirium is almost like the opposite of coming up on acid. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like releasing. Yeah. That sort of, to me, sums up uh, memories. It's difficult. Um, Also, what happened, was it in 1986 or was it 1988? Was it 94? Was it 95? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. God knows. I mean, knows? <laughs> I don't know whether it was last Tuesday or last Wednesday. Half the time, no? <laughs> I mean, I only know what day it is today because it's the it's the day that John Lennon was murdered. And I was just thinking about
4: Paul McCartney, actually, because uh, he misses <clears> out <throat> day and Lady Madonna, doesn't he? You know that. Does he?
2: Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Daniel, you've co-authored three books books before this i think as i Mm. and i imagine you you knew your collaborators a bit but this must have been a bit different seeing as you're such good friends with Simon. you've you've been there for a lot of the genesis of these songs so So how was the process was it enjoyable did you bicker did you get on what what was it like
4: I, i don't i don't think we Ever bicker really No, no We,
3: we basically that then came to, to my house On about three occasions For a couple of days Yeah So it didn't take A great deal of time really no. um, Coffee in the morning At your house Yeah, so we'd do A couple of hours Probably two to three hours In the morning mm. For the same part Of yeah, the book Yeah, and then we'd go down To the pub My local pub Where I have in my own table For Ooh. the insane part Of the book <laughs> Yeah Your own table Well it's Is named it... after my dog It's called Cooper's Corner Amazing and it's re- reserved for me and my dog. Um, God, it's like the um, uh, slaughtered
2: lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna say, it's like the Beverly Hills Hotel where they still um, oh, right they reserve there. a table for Chaplin. Still, oh really? oh
3: really? I love you. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, yeah.
4: No, but the thing that was different in previous books, I've, I I always do an enormous amount of research because I think it um, uh, would be uh, rude to talk to somebody without. <laughs> having, you yes. know, knowledge of what they've done. and uh, so, But with Simon, I thought, this is kind of odd, really, because my <laughs> head is filled with Simon's life and things we've done together as mates and that. So I thought for the first few days I would just literally freewheel yeah. and see if we, as we normally do when we get together, we just natter, you know, and talk nonsense half yeah. the time and just see, and, and and that's pretty much what
3: really happened. I, th- I think you know? what was good is that we knew that the the structure was, right, this is the first song that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been, well, what happened at the beginning <laughs> yeah. would have been really difficult. I That idea of a memoir. And actually, we was talking about this the other day, didn't we, that... Um, I we was saying that, that McCartney was the template, but in, in a way, I think that...
4: "Mama's in Ham.
3: Yeah. Uh, Darling. Darling and 1, 2, 3, four by Craig Brown were good examples of where you can just sort of... And what I did, I, I, I loved the Craig Brown book, and what I did, mm. I, I thought, right, because I'm such a Beatles nut, I thought, great, all I'll do is just read one chapter every day and then I can bore everyone about <laughs> that story... Until tomorrow, <laughs> I can bore them about another one. For instance, do you know that Lady Madonna is out one, one of the days of the week? No, it's a good. I didn't know you thought that because because Mam Darling's brilliant, isn't it? Is I it? haven't read it. I haven't. Oh, have you I, not? No, I haven't. It's, oh. it's, it's but it, basically it. It's this. It's it. It takes a focus that then leads to stories. And I mean, in, in a more simplistic way, there was a book that I bought oh three or four years ago by Dan Snow, the historian, and mm. it was a very simple book, a very simple idea. And it was to take the date. In fact, they do this. They do this every day in the Times. and on this day kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was on this day in history. In fact, I think that's what it's called. I mm. think It's called on this day in history. So you go to April the um, 19th and find out that, you know, something happened with um, Joan of Arc or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lady yeah. McDonnell was released. You know, what I'm
1: saying things like, that.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> "Yeah," but I think the difference is that the fact that it's in conversation form, one for the road, is uh, is something I've realised having read it back. Is that Simon's incredibly candid, and he's not afraid to share what often people might avoid. So he openly talks hmm. about drugs, as he's always a reference with acid and stuff, but also kind of very. Um, personal and poignant moments in his life. I mean, the one that comes to my mind, which we base around the song My Brother Sarah, which is a clue in itself, My Br- my Brother Sarah, mm. is when he was outed by the Sun, mm. at Double Spread, which was... I, I remember the day when it was happening and it was horrific as a friend to see it, but mm. for you,
3: I mean, it turned... It was terrible, yeah. I mean, you Robert... Um, Your boy. Yeah, went to um, his uncle's funeral... On that morning and crashed the car. Oh, crashed it down by Edgebaston Cricket Ground. But to set this uh, in context. I think that I think that, that was. Um, that could have been a whole lot worse. But you the, the reason that it was
4: a secret to then, this is when ninety seven, ninety eight. is that your yeah. parents didn't know you were gay, but as close friends, we all did. <laughs> Everybody did. Yeah. So we all protected the idea. Yes. And, yeah. and And you would never admit it to anybody mm. publicly. And then. Yeah. For, so Simon, then that day had to let his parents know that in the sun was going to be this double spread and so he talks about that. And I and I admire your candidness, really for I think doing that, that these
3: conversations generally happened once we'd got to Cooper's Corner. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is because, you know, I mean I am pretty good at drinking. Daniel's useless at drinking see so he's the worst drinker. He's tiny, ever met. isn't he? I mean, is this <laughs> <the other thing. laughs> if I could get drunk as easily as Daniel, I would be a multimillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. there'd be, be knocking down the piranhas, and sort of obviously, and also it was very easy to become because we were talking as friends rather than yes, yeah, exactly. then being interviewed. Yes, yeah, you know. yes. There's already a
2: trust there, there's already a sort of closeness, and you lived some of it or sort of watched on, so you were able to ask questions that were well, live We live with each other. All through the
4: nineties, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, with uh, and at times, and with Steve Craddock, the guitar player in Ocean Scene and with Paul Weller, yeah. and so I mean it was a kind of. The more I think back on it, you can kind of glamorize it, and and it sounds very monkeyish, monkeyish, monkey. You know what I'm trying to say, monkeys. like the monkeys, yes, <laughs> monkey
1: like,
4: <laughs> <laughs> or, or like the Beatles in Help, you know that kind of thing, like a quail. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know what you mean. Yes.
4: Um, <laughs> And it, there was and it, and it, yeah, it was an amazing thing to live through. Really, to be living with your your best mate and, and and mates around you, and 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 be sharing what at times was desperately hard because we were on the dole yeah. and and scrounging Enterprise around. Enterprise allowance, I'll have you
2: know, <laughs> for a year, I guess. God, that's, much that's a much better name, isn't it? <laughs> Enterprise allowance. I love that.
4: And 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 through that period, you know, as a band, I mean, Ocean Colour Scene went from the the absolute low of having been dropped. Essentially, by a record label, yeah. and being uh, disowned by everybody in the industry, and then and then turned up the other way, yeah. and and I witnessed that on a day to day level, you know, and and at the same time, everybody was having a great time, and and it, and it is it's re- it's a very special time, I think, in in our mm. lives, but it's well, not it's... something we've ever really talked about <coughs> in depth before. Mm. I, I don't think. No,
3: it's. it's uh, I mean, it seems almost like a different life, really. <laughs> yeah, to the life I lead now, which is yeah sort of in a fairly rural setting in Warwickshire, um, doing as little as possible. (laughs) But do you look back fondly on those times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I I look back on the whole thing with great, I guess with pride now. Yeah. But with, I mean, we really did have a laugh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all the things that you believe go on they do. <laughs> they do and they did. <laughs> oh, the lost Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now I totally assume that uh, that lifestyle and uh, live a very, oh, a lot of people would say, quite a boring lifestyle. <laughs> well, I don't give a toss. As long as I've got the Times to read and, and a Peroni. With my best dog ever, Shad? Cooper's Corner. <laughs> Cooper's it's all Corner. It's all
4: <laughs> the revelation was we I, I I uncovered a cassette tape that yes. Simon had made when he was a yes. uh, uh, twenty, and he'd recorded an hour's worth of songs, and many of the songs had had been forgotten by both of us. And I started playing some of them to Simon, and the the, the one i most remember is a song called Mother Dear, and it's uh, Simon for, performs it utterly beautifully, with, with real heartfelt conviction. And it seemingly is a, an attack on his mother for what Simon wants to be. And yet when you heard it, it didn't marry no, with your relationship with her I, no, at all, did it? it
3: never was like that. But, yeah. it, it, it's, I mean, you'd be right to infer that if you read the lyrics. Mm. I mean, I guess they, I guess it's a generic thing, perhaps. It certainly wasn't aimed at my mother. Mm. But I think I was writing about an experience that a lot of people who, who were like me at that time would certainly have had. Mm. And a lot more people, to, to a worse degree, I'm thinking of people who come from religious backgrounds. Whereas now, no one seems to care. People that I know, mm. mm-hmm. people who come to Cooper's Corner
4: don't But what care. was extraordinary is that Simon had forgotten the song and I had recorded it on a cassette player. And Simon said, "You're the only person in the world that knows this song exists." <laughs> and so, had that not happened, it yeah. would have been. And there's a whole bunch of songs, and yeah, two, there's,
2: there's loads of unreleased song lyrics in there, right? There's exactly, like twelve or thirteen of them. And yeah. a couple
4: of them we've put on a on a seven inch single, which is very exciting. Mm. And then the, and then Simon's going to make good of some of the others. Mm. And 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 that that I think is the thing that's kind of shocked me and scared me the most because that idea. You could write something that's wonderful and beautiful and it, and it be lost, you know. Can you imagine, I, I keep on imagining if a, a tape appeared of Noel Gallagher three years before Definitely Maybe and he said, you know what, I've got a tape of an hour's worth of music. Most of the songs I've forgotten about and here they all are and there's a couple that end up in Oasis and you'd be going, oh, my God, yeah. uh, you, the, the world needs to hear this and that's how it felt to me with yeah. this tape of Simon's. You know? So exciting. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Um, I want to uh, ask you about what you've been reading and enjoying recently because I always like to ask my guests this also put them on the spot a bit you know get them to try and remember oh that book that I loved um it doesn't have to be something that's out recently just something that perhaps you've you've read you've picked up a new author you've discovered that kind of thing what have you been reading Tony, recently and enjoying?
4: There's three books and recently I'm, I'm about 10 pages off reading Night by Ellie Weissel, mm-hmm. I think you pronounce that, which is about uh, an inmate at Auschwitz, and it's very short, it's very short sentences. It's very eloquently and beautifully written. I think he wrote it possibly in the '50s. I borrowed it from the library, big fan of libraries. And: um, Me too. Yeah. And it, it, he, he's just descri- he's only 15 when he's imprisoned. And and he survives, obviously, because he writes the book. That's an incredible read. Wow. Uh, Shuggy Bane. I, <sighs> I, I God Oh, my God. is amazing? Stunning. I haven't read that. It's stunning.
2: Yeah.
4: Absolutely, incredibly written. The story itself is unbelievable. Setting Glasgow and the relationship with his al- a, a young lad with his alcoholic mother. and Agnes. Yeah, the character of Agnes is extraordinary, isn't she? Isn't she? Oh, my God. I mean, it's so beautifully written. And I purposely am not reading the next one because I want... I've done this too often where I rush
3: to the author's next book. You you, should wait. Yeah, you can... Absolutely. Young Mungo is the second one. Yes. It's it's, it's sort of in the same, shall we say, vein.
4: Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is. And one other I'd like to mention that I just read recently is... uh, I've started to call her Rickety. Ricky Lee Jones. Yes. Ricky Lee Jones. Rickety Lee Jones. <laughs> uh, Last Chance uh, Texaco. We, it's essentially her memoir. Mm. But it's it, it's novelistic the way that she writes. And um I don't really I don't I'm not a fan of her music. Oh right. I don't really know her music at all beyond Chucky's in love.
2: I go back to those first few albums quite a lot. Do you? The first two, three, yeah, Flying Cowboys and, and the self-titled debut, I think they're wonderful.
4: Oh, okay. Really wonderful. Well, on Well, on the paperback that I have, there's a quote from Nick Hornby, and he compares it to two other music books, uh, uh, saying it's between Dylan's Chronicles and Patti Smith's. Oh, and just I, kids. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and those two are extraordinary books and beautifully written and go beyond kind of music books. And I, I would... with Nick Hornby I'd agree that this book belongs there it's her 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 life and the way she tells it and the way she can shoot out kind of explanations and descriptions from the hip almost Hmm. like a gunslinger Hmm. it's like her ability with language is quite extraordinary and you only get to the point where she appears and makes it through Saturday Night Live in the last kind of twenty pages or so. Oh wow. Where okay. what she goes through. But as 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 I think with most books, often the description and what a book about isn't isn't is not as great <laughs> as the style in which somebody writes in yeah. and she has got a, a rare ability with language.
2: That sounds fun. I've like, I've written that down because I I, I sort of love Ricky Lee Jones and I I think that the time and the people she was hanging around with in the play is, are so fascinating. There, mm. We're probably going to love that. Thank you. Three great <laughs> recommendations.
3: What about you, Simon? You've been reading? Well, that? yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to just go back to the Dylan book, The Chronicles, oh, because yeah. uh, I thought the first chapter, the opening or the opening section, not chapter, mm. was brilliant. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. And then we get on to where he's... Disillusioned in Woodstock and doesn't want to be the voice of a generation. And I thought, you moaning fucker. (laughs) I honestly, and I, I I gave up. Oh no, really? Yeah, I did because (laughs) I just thought, just (laughs) shut up. I did, so I never got to the end of it. He really annoyed me, quite frankly.
4: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You (laughs) shut up yet?
3: (laughs) I read a lot of poetry recently. Oh, yeah. I always have done uh, – I think one of my favourite po- poets is probably Larkin and uh, people like Lewis Lewis McNeese, maybe sort of Betjeman. Uh, Bechman. I think you have to be in the right – I think the sun mm. has to be shining and you have to have an ice cream in your hand <laughs> yeah. to, to really get John Betjeman. But I do kind of love his stuff. There's a great book actually by him called um, Summoned by Bells, okay. which is a prose poem. That That's, that's brilliant. Um, but and I, I've also been re- recently reading. Just I, I think I read someone going on about how much they had enjoyed it. So I thought I've always known this book, so I'll go and try it out. It's, it's uh, Notes from a Small Island, mm. Bill Bryce, Bill Brighton. Now I'm enjoying it, but I don't know if it's times have changed. I mean, it was written in '96. Yeah, it's old now. I mean, it I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's not as amazingly hilarious as I thought it right. was going to be, to be honest. It's more sort of um, amusing and nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean it, it's it's an old, it's a really old trope. I mean, you go back to, I think the first bloke who wrote a book like this was Daniel Defoe. Uh, he walked through Britain. And <laughs> then there was um, J.B. Priestley in the 30s, which is just pre-war, actually, that point, mm. isn't it? where he makes, I think it's probably railway journeys and describes towns and cities which know that now are almost beyond recognition. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly, yeah, yeah. Is, is
3: it true of Ulysses that the, 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 yeah, yeah. the journey
4: of Leo Leon Bloom... Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's you, if you follow it with your hand, yeah, it, it
3: draws a question mark. Oh, no, no, it's, it's based upon Homer. Oh, right. It's based upon, well, Ulysses... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's why I was in set five for English. <laughs> That's a book I wish I, I wish um, I could say I'd read that, but I've given it a go. Oh, I um, have.
4: And I didn't understand the word. I, I, spoke, I, I remember I met Natasha, our friend, and she'd been to Cambridge, and she told me what she thought it was about, and I instantly shut up, thinking I
3: really I don't, don't know nothing it, about it, nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I just didn't really... I couldn't look forward to the 200-page soliloquy with no... Punctuation no, that at is the stunning, end.
2: though. But mm. In some way, Simon, I, thinking about some of these books, on the, you know, the James Joyce, I, I can't be asked. Mm. I mean, I know mm. I know that you're, mm. you're there's, there's this hanging over thing of like, oh, you should have read this and you should have, and I'm like, well, sh-, I don't know. I'd rather read Shiggy Bane, you know. Like, yeah. I, just think, I don't like the
3: idea of should. Yeah, yeah. I, and but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean no, I'm not absolutely. saying anyone's t- I definitely t- having yeah, really? yeah. that. Yeah, I, I find that with. But it, it. there is that. I, I, you know, I Just, just, just sod it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to read to be clever. No, hmm. that's I want to read it. to enjoy
2: myself. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. if you if you pick hmm. up War and Peace or you pick up Ulysses and you get enjoy it, then brilliant. I just think absolutely brilliant. You know, and, and those texts shouldn't be forgotten necessarily. But I also don't think. I don't personally feel a sort of weight of oh mm, god, but you know I haven't read some of the classics. But I wish I that, oh, the kind
3: Dickens of wish or... that I had. Yeah, I mean I've I've only read two Dickens books, yeah. and I think I, I have. enjoyed them enormously. And the two I read Oliver Twist and Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, no no no, 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 Oliver Twist and Great Expectations. Mm. And one of the main reasons I chose those two is because, number one, I'd probably seen the David Lean films, but essentially so they're only about 300 pages. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not the You know, it's not, it's not Nicholas Nickleby, you know. I mean, yeah. they may turn that into a play. It was eight hours long, wasn't it?
4: I must <laughs> say, I have read War and Peace, a long um, and and I know uh, it was way more accessible than I ever thought. And I, I ended up feeling very touched by the idea because at the centre of... If I've understood it correctly, at the centre of the book is the idea that individual decisions uh, uh, determine what happens on battlefields. Mm. And then there's a great love story within it as well. And, and uh, yeah, I thought the language... So, would for the
3: ladies... <laughs> the lady readers
1: <laughs>
4: or the laddies, <laughs> but uh, I thought it'd be perhaps impenetrable and 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 like you're suggesting, one of those books that you know you always see in people with yeah, uh, really talking with revered tones. It's not well, that yes. old, it's but no, it, it it's, is
3: it is an incredible book, and it's not that I, old, is it? What's it, the 1880s? Hmm. Yeah, Tolstoy, so, something like that. So, the language isn't going to be particularly impenetrable, is it? No, I guess not. And actually, no. when Victoria Hislop was on
2: th- this podcast, she chose War and Peace for her book-off book, off book but, and, but she was very, very specific about the translation of it. Uh, uh, as in, this is the one to read. She did actually, I'll uh, be honest with you, in her three minutes, completely sell War and Peace to me. And, uh, I, oh, good for But I haven't gone and read it, even though I promised her I would. Anyway, that's, that's by the bye, because it's time for the book-off, where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read and I'm very careful not to say favourite book I don't believe in that I think that changes from day to day week to week I don't Hmm. think you can have a favourite book I don't think you can have a favourite album so it's just a book that you think everyone listening and me should pick up if we haven't already um we've got to do a bit of admin before we sort of get into it and we always say the person who's travelled the furthest Gets to decide if they go first or second. So that is very much you, Simon, coming from Warwickshire. So would you like yes, to go standing first? up on a
3: train for two hours? Standing up, it was horrendous. It was it was <laughs> it was horrendous.
2: Oh dear. Well, then you definitely get to decide whether to yeah. go first or second. If you well, I'll it. go. I'll go.
3: I'll go first. I don't mind. He's
2: going first. He's <clears throat> going to go first. And Daniel, at the three-minute mark, if you're still talking, I'm either going to be ringing you out with a school bell, or honking you out with the I wonder which... what they were there for. Yeah, they were for the
3: you... comedy, the comedy <laughs> element. The harpo marks. Yeah. they just sort, sort of been sat
2: on the table and with yeah. no explanation there. It's yeah, it'd be funny if odd, every time
3: it? someone mentioned a Russian author, you gave them the air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs>
2: every time um, a quail was mentioned, you gave <laughs> um, so which one would you like at your three minutes? If you're still talking. Oh, I'll go for harpo. Harpo. You're going harpo. Yeah. Okay. Very good. That means you get the bell then, Simon. Now, I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. You don't have to use all three, but if you're still talking at the three minutes, I'll be ringing you out. Just before we set the timer going, tell us what book you're putting forward.
3: Well, I'm putting forward uh, the complete short stories of William Trevor.
2: Fantastic. All right then, three minutes on the clock, uninterrupted, over to you.
3: Right, well, the first adult book I think that I ever read was when I was 16, so... um... Up until then, it had been shoot magazines, you know, and um, um, it was The Children of Dinmouth um, by William Trevor, which I think is about 1976, it came out. Um, And I absolutely loved it. And there was something about the way that he writes that touched a nerve with me that he sort of seems to have the sensibilities of people in the world that that I share, and um, so I started to read everything that I could find by William and Trevor, and these are all from from that. I think I bought that one in a secondhand shop, um, but then you know, going back to libraries, I spent so many hours of my teenage years in in libraries, um, and uh, and I absolutely loved all of the novels. And then I think probably the first short story collection that I got was um, The Ballroom of Romance, which is probably one of his most um, hailed achievements. And that single story is is a wonderful story. It's only about 30 pages long. And uh, that is set in Ireland. Um, so he's very much an Anglo-Irish author. He's he's from uh, Mitchell Stanley, Court, born in 1928. Uh, he died about five, six years ago, I think. Um, but a lot of the stuff is set in London... Uh, and then I think as he got older, a lot of it went back to Ireland, back to rural Ireland. Yeah, so it's so Ballroom of Romance. Uh, there's, there's There's many, many. I think he's regarded as one of the, uh, the, the great short story writers of post-war literature. Mm. And um, it's just... I mean, some of them are quite comedic, especially the earlier ones, I think. In fact, his earlier novels are far more comedic. Um, But there's one which is a trilogy um, in the middle of, I can't remember which um, collection it's from, it's called Matilda's England, and it's made up of three short stories, uh, and they are really sort of nostalgic and then suddenly devastating. (laughs) And uh, that's something that he, he has an ability to do, where he makes you feel you you know this world. Even if it's in Ireland, you know these people. And then suddenly, something can turn and uh, that can become, well, it can make you cry, to be honest. Um, I wrote a song about it called Matilda's England. Um and I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> well done. Wow, that's
2: fantastic. <laughs> that was yeah, wow. Um, I I must admit I don't know William Trevor, so this is oh, all wow, new to yeah. me. So we'll come back and talk about him properly in a moment. But you can have a rest now, Simon. That was fab. Because we're turning the clock over to you, Sir Daniel. And <clears throat> and before we put the three minutes on, just tell us the book that you're putting forward, please. Uh, Music and Silence by Rose Tremaine. Fantastic. All right, then three minutes uninterrupted if you want it, to tell us. About Music in Silence, over to you.
4: Uh, well, I could have picked anything by Rose Jermaine, really. I've, I've read quite a few of her books from uh, Restoration and Meriville and The Colour, Road Home, The Way I Find Her. Um, and there's there, there's a beauty in the way that she writes that's... He's reading from notes, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> uh, She's very accessible as a... Um, now, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs>
2: He's putting you off, you see. No, so, so I mean,
4: I, I picked out one... Um, a couple of sentences I'm going to read that come from Music in Silence, and they're, they're um, written by a character called Kirsten, and she's married to a king, King Christian, and she's having a love affair with a count, and she writes, My candle light gave to the paper a kind of soft colour as of honey and the words a black intensity so that it seemed to me that i might run my tongue across the sentences and lick the words away and that it and that it, to taste them would be marvelously sweet and i remember reading that and thinking what an incredible imagination to to put that as an idea down and i think what most surprises me about rose tremaine is that I don't know for what reason, but I have her as a probably a middle class woman that lives in Norfolk and is quite genteel. And then she shocks me because she's incredibly lewd and bawdy and sexual with her characters. So Kirsten has has fallen out in love with Christian and with the Count, they get into sessions of whipping one another and it's and it's and it's quite overt in the way she she writes it but she always writes very beautifully and throughout the book there's a lot of sexual tension and fetishes and and they're, as i say they're very very unexpected and i think mostly the themes of the book are around love but love and lust so you get lust for money lusts for other people there's a character called magdalena who ends up sleeping with Her stepsons. She seduces them as younger boys by letting them lick her fingers when she's been making a cake, and 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 she she's intent on bringing them into her bosom, literally. And then you have characters that are falling out of love, that are struggling to be in love. Uh, There's a beautiful relationship around Peter, who's a lutenist, and Amelia, who's working in the court, and their love seems like it will never be, will never come together. And I can see you with the the horn <laughs> <laughs>
2: run out. Oh, Your face then was like, oh no. oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, oh well done. I know you had loads more to say there, didn't you? I think I feel like I, th- I feel like you had a couple of uh, other important points to make. Um Wow, okay, two great pictures there and two very different books, of course. Um you can have a little breather now. We're gonna talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about William Trevor again. Um I loved the what you said quite quite near the end there, Simon, about um Nostalgic, and then suddenly devastating, and then his mm. ability to sort of make you think you know the, the yeah. world, the characters, and then just go,
3: boom. Yeah. Well, I think I think that, especially when he's writing about rural Ireland. I mean, there's, there is, well, I mean, life is like that, isn't yeah. it? Life is sort yeah. of like uh, domestic, nostalgic, and then devastating, yeah, uh, for everyone. And also, in, he, he I think he d- dwells a lot on. The idea of people in rural Ireland who are in farmhouses and what's expected of them—probably in the fifties mm. more so than now—when the women really are expected to either get married or or do the washing and looking after the, curmudgeonly crippled father, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, um, I also love that
2: that he's sort of been a journey author for you, I suppose, from you know you reading that first your mm. first adult book was him and then you went back to the library and you discovered all his others and you sort of... That's such a lovely thing, I think, you know, that we, and I think we all have authors like that. Don't we? I,
3: I think also because he's, he's important to me because he was the first author that I really read for, uh, sort in, of for in, pleasure in, in any way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Do you know
3: you've tripped a memory? I seem to
4: remember that uh, in the 90s that a magazine offered you the opportunity it, to interview
3: it, somebody. It was and, Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy wanted to make a radio programme for Radio 4... Where I would meet up with William Trevor. And you wouldn't do it, would you? No, I don't know what happened about it. It was going to be, it was going to be, nonsense, I think, to be honest. It was going to be based around the the day we caught the train, and that was going to be some arc. But
4: But you said that you were, ultimately, you were too scared because you wouldn't know what to say to him. And I I couldn't believe you didn't jump on the opportunity.
2: Um, Well, I loved, I absolutely loved hearing you talk about him and. I also am quite an advocate of short stories. And I always say on this podcast and, and when I'm chatting with authors that it's lovely to have a collection of sh- short stories sort of on the go, just to have one before bed or, you know, mm. sometimes in the evening when you've done the telly or there's fuck all on and you're like, well, I'll just have a whiskey and I'll sit and read something. And it's nice <laughs> yeah. to have a collection, isn't it, on the go? So <laughs> I'm going to check him out. And thank you very much for that recommendation. And thank you too, Daniel, for talking about Rose Tremaine. And um, I love the quote. That you picked out from the book there, and the fact you said, you know, she's got this incredible imagination, which she does, and the beauty in in sort of the writing um, is is brill. the the best The best part of your pitch for me was how she, you said she she shocks me. Mm. <laughs> She these, these lewd and bawdy characters and the sort of fetishness and everything. It's like, oh,
4: right, yeah, here we well, go. Well, she poses to you as a reader you, uh, you're, to challenge your own morals and scruples because she sets up all these interwoven stories mm. and situations where people are very nasty and, and are manipulative and trying to do things for their own gain, mm. and it feels very real. And yet you, I find myself been seduced by lots of these characters that are, are, are desperate in the wrong. Mm. but it, And it challenges you. And, and, and then she takes you into these dark areas that, you know, I find myself thinking, oh, I really want another chapter about yeah. her and she's not coming. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, why? And, you know, and even... I, I All my thoughts about Rose Tremaine are based on one photograph on the back of one of the books. And it as I say, just doesn't tally with what I think. And she often mentions... Um, you know, petite feet in satin shoes, and and or licking the insole of a part of the body and things. And I think, are you is that you speaking? Because it comes across in quite a few of your books, and and I, I'm shocked, but also it's a joy because she does it. I mean, it's sounding like an episode, uh, uh, you know, an edition of Loaded or something from the nineties, but <laughs> but it's really done with an incredible beauty and. Mm. um you know, that's what I like. And I and I purposely didn't talk about the narrative or what the plot is. In the same way as my favourite author ever is called Mac McCarthy. And you you describe, you know, the plot. A man rides on a horse across a wasteland and it will sound like a French film. Yeah, they didn't dallied across dull. the grass. Yes. You know, and drank French wine. You <laughs> know, it's not about that. It's about how you write yeah. and what you put into the description. And she does it in abundance. And I have <clears> no idea how successful she is or how well no, she's is. very well
2: oh is pretty yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah pretty well read and bored and uh, if you're talking right,
3: about well, people who like that that style style of writing i think the two greatest stylists that i have read um are Scott Fitzgerald, mm. in um particularly the great gatsby i think it's one, get on he's with one that of the greatest all. novels and also, it's quite short. Yes, it's short. It's not this knee going out, here, not it? Yeah. <laughs> a single whisky's worth, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and the other, the other one would be Truman Capote with um, oh, in, Cold in Cold Blood. Well, in, not it, yeah, that's that's a great book. But well, I, Breakfast I'm, at Tiffany's, you're going to say? Like, no, 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 I'm thinking no. of his first one. He was wrote it when he was 24, which is called, and I can never get the title <laughs> right. Whether it's Other Voices, Other Rooms, or Other Rooms, Other Voices, but it's that one. <laughs> it's the one where Joel Knox goes and lives with other his strangers. Do an impression of Truman Capote. Oh yeah, (laughs) with his with his strange Uncle Randolph in the swamps. It's it's incredibly. He's an incredible writer. Yeah, I think that uh, his sentences, uh, I think, are incredible. I remember particularly chapter three, where he describes a ball setting at uh, uh, Gatsby's house. Mm. I think I've never. Don't think I've ever read anything. Anyone who writes mm. quite like this—it's—it's um, it's funny <laughs> that book because
2: I think it does actually. I think there are people who absolutely love it, and I think there are people who are a bit like, eh, whatever, you know. But it is a classic, you know. Great Gatsby, I'm talking about now.
3: Uh, people say yeah, it's it is the great American novel. The great which, American novel, but <clears throat> who? Whatever.
2: Yeah, but what yeah, a, I mean,
3: people know, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right though about some of his descriptions in that. Um, it's whatever you think of the book and whether you got on with it. I think I think the writing is pretty yeah. great uh, and, and and quite specific um quite unique. Um, thank you both for those recommendations. I love both pictures. Um, it's a hard one this, but I, do you know what? I'm I'm going to take Rose Tremaine. I'm going to take Rose. <laughs> Give her maybe maybe it's because I wrote the word lust in really big letters that <laughs> made me want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I'm also going to check check out William Trevor because he sounds absolutely wonderful and I love short stories as well. So thank you for that, Simon. And thank you both so much for for coming in and joining us. One for the Road, the life and lyrics of Simon Fowler, is available to order now from our shop. That's ourfavourite.shop, ladies and gentlemen. And
3: it's in stores from January in 2020. Yeah, I think it's available on a... Uh, uh, what, it's called a website. <laughs> oh, hot now! What is that? Um, the thing it's you put a website, the yes, it's W it? That's it. Yes. Or is yeah. it W H yeah? It's um W H Yeah, Smiths. Uh, famous <laughs> writer. Yeah, and uh, on the Ocean yeah, it's, it's, website. it's on our website, <laughs> and there's 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 what's called a link. Um, thank you both for for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> thank you for talking about it. Love it. Love it. That great. Thank you very much. Cheers.